You are listening to the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. And for that, I apologize. I haven't uh, I haven't watched it in a long time and when we when it was on, I didn't watch it because I was down in Curacao for most of it, I think. Yes. So Roscoe started watching it, um, you know, here and there. Or he started watching it, I would jump in here and there. And unfortunately, all I keep getting are the episodes I've seen already. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of it. That happened to me just last, last couple of days ago. It's a show, I, it's something I never see. And then it happened to be on again, and it was the thing that I never see, and it was the same one that the one other time I saw it. I was like, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> that was like I never ever watched Frasier, and I'd seen one episode, you know, like right. I'd seen a couple episodes, but, you know, I'd seen one episode, which was the most recent thing. I go on a plane, and they, you know, it was one of those planes with the TV thing, you know, in the middle of the... Of the fuselage, and <laughs> what did they show Frasier in that one fucking episode? Right, you know? right. I um, I got into a. Did you ever see the? Did you ever watch The Wire? I never did watch The Wire. Oh man, that's such a good show. And uh, for some reason, I got into like a, a rabbit hole of hundred best wire lines or hundred yeah. best wire quotes, and then that. There's a whole other one, you know, that you can click on after that because everybody has them, you know. Yeah. So about half an hour, forty-five minutes later, I'm like three deep yeah. in YouTube fan clips of The Wire, but that's a good show. Yeah, that's what people tell me. So um, they tell me about Breaking Bad, Mad Men, Walking Dead, Lost. Yeah. Every show. <laughs> I would say that I've never I would watched. S- Mad Men, I had no use for. Breaking Bad was was okay. Um, the Walking Dead is pretty good, but The Wire is, um, I think, the best TV show I've ever seen. Yeah, it was just way too. Even Sopranos, I started watching it when it first came out. Then I quit watching it for a couple of years, and I picked up watching it again. You know, I watched the last couple of years. But I I never had any remorse about not going back and rewatching the shit that I didn't see before. Yeah, the um I think Sopranos really similar to The Wire in the sense that the writing is really, really sharp. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that. You know, like when I listen to music, I like lyrics. I listen to I like Bob Dylan and Paul Simon. Yes. And, you know, people with really clever lyrics. Um, and I think that's the same with yeah. with television shows. Like it's just really my favorite Sopranos. Probably my favorite line in any television show was in the Sopranos when there's an episode. It means nothing. I don't even know what the bigger context is. But Tony Soprano comes uh, down in the morning and he goes into the fridge and he pulls out the orange juice and he takes a swig and he spits it out and he goes, "Come, what is this?" She says, what? It's the orange juice. You like it when it has pulp. He says, no, 
I like it when it says some pulp. Yeah. It says lots of pulp. <laughs> yeah, I know that. I, I do remember that. Uh, but that's just so clever because I, I feel the same way. My favorite uh, line was, <laughs> this is because at the time, this was probably 2001, 2002, before I moved to Boston when I was uh, managing Collins Pizza Shop down there. And it was a Sunday night. It was just me and the delivery guy there, so we had uh, Sopranos on, and they had a scene involved in the pizza shop, and something happened. One of the guys, don't disrespect the pizza parlor. (laughs) (laughs) So that obviously became our favorite line. (laughs) Right, right. There's always something. And I think like they just write with regular people in mind. Yep. I think that's the gist of it. So don't disrespect um, the pizza parlor, man. <laughs> actually, um, I have a lot of TV to talk about today. TV and movies to talk about. So let's uh, let's jump in. All right. Hello, and thanks for downloading the two sorry excuses podcast. Recording live via via the internet. I'm your old pal Sanders. I'm your good buddy Liv. And if you are keeping score at home, this is eighty six. The old man in the sea edition. Yes, the uh, <laughs> the podcast also rises. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was trying to think of other of other Hemingway um, works. Yes, what's Farewell the one? The pods. <laughs> All I keep coming up with though is Bridge Over the River Kwai, but that's not even Hemingway. Too good, too well, good. Although is. I have to be honest, man, and I mean, you know, it, my I don't. Uh, I'm not a swinging dick by any means. My uh, my swagger is not particularly high. But you sent over that uh, me side by side with me and, and yeah. Hemingway. I look I look pretty damn regal. Yeah. Well, I uh, last night when I got home, it was late night, I decided to do that, you know, downloaded an app so I could do the split picture thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you're not too in. You, you post the podcast through our Twitter feed. But I know you're not exactly following our Twitter feed. Correct. But the Twitter feed also goes to, uh, you know, it, it simulcast to Facebook at the same time. And I have to say, I put it up last night, you know, the who wore it better, Sanders or Papa Hemingway. You know, and, <laughs> and it's it's far outpaced anything that we've put up. It's got six likes on Facebook. <laughs> Probably since we put up the Siblings Day picture. Yeah, <laughs> six likes. That's all it took for it to right. be super popular. Um, and it's got know, two likes on Twitter, one from me and one from Jordan. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, although I do kind of wish that it went one direction or the other. I, I wish it went a little gr- grayer or a little darker. Yeah, well, that's it's only because you're at that age, man, where you're... Yeah, I you're, guess so. You're straddling between gray and dark right now. In when I look at myself, I don't see it as as salt and peppery uh, as it really must be. Because that picture looks like it's got a little bit of a uh, a distribution of of uh, gray and and dark. But it's when more I look gray at it, towards the bottom part than it is towards the top. 
Yeah. But yeah. dude, you look very Hemingway esque. Well, thank you, man. Thank you. Know, you. Maybe you should go running with the bulls, but you'd probably be more <laughs> comfortable hanging out down Key West or something. All right. All right. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Uh, well, good. Thank, thanks for doing that, man. I, I really appreciate it. Well, I'm glad that. you appreciate it because, you know, I, found, I, found, I came across some pictures. There's one I tried, and the problem was just the scaling wasn't right. Right. You right. Know, so I had to find one that I could scale appropriately. You know, so well, one, I'm honored that you would take the time to do that. Two, I'm honored that it's Hemingway because it just it could have just as easily been Randy Quaid or the um, who's the big goofy comedian guy, who, Artie Lang. Uh, no, 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 because oh, Artie Lang occasionally Lang. wears a beard. I've yeah, seen. that'd be a good one. He, I think he runs with the um. With the uh, who's the comedian from that movie, The Fan? You talk about him all the time. The um, Fan. It's that dark sports movie. Yeah, that the one with Robert De Niro, right? Um, Robert Wool is he in that? No, no. I don't talk about Robert Wool ever. But the fan, He's, he would, the King of Queens. Oh, oh, Patton Oswalt. I was thinking of what's the other. What's that one called? The one where Robert De Niro is stalking Wesley Snipes, who that plays might also for the, the San fan. Francisco Giants in that movie. The the that is the fan. The one with Patton Oswalt, I think, is called Number One Fan or something. Okay, like that. <laughs> where, Patton, where he's a big fan of the New York Giants. That Patton Oswalt crew. He he runs with yes, like a troop. Yes, I know who you're talking about. That Brian tall Posehn. skinny. Yes. Yes. I could have easily been that, but you gave yeah. me Hemingway. Which well, is, uh, you know what? I'll give you some dignity, but I'm glad I didn't. You're you're lucky I didn't think of the Randy Quaid because those <laughs> Randy Quaid photos from like the past year where he's right. gone on that rant with his wife. You know, yeah, yeah. You right. could have easily been. I could have easily been Randy Quaid. With Randy Quaid <laughs> I mean, you're lucky that my first thought when beards come up isn't friggin' comedian gone off the deep end. It's you know, famous writer known for his beard. You know, right. right. Even though he had the beard later on, you know, like when he was older, but still. And I guess he was gone off the deep end because I think he had a beard when he killed himself. But whatever. <laughs> I guess They're, that's what you uh, do. So are we worried about you going off the deep end? Uh, now you have this uh, beard? Oh, uh, that's great. You sent a text, uh, what was it, Sunday or, or Monday? Said, don't uh, don't keep your booze near your firearms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading about that last night about him committing this suicide and how you know he tried to do it once and his wife took him. Or, you know, it was when he did it in Idaho, you know. But then the next day or whatever, he got the shotgun, and it was his favorite shotgun, and he killed himself with it. Yeah. You know, like the whole, you know, he was he was, he was was apparently bent on killing himself. You think, um, you think that was his, his M.O. From, from Jump Street? Well, I think it said that his dad committed suicide, too. So, yeah, you know what? It right. He's got that niece or great granddaughter. Well, yeah, or, they had Margot Hemingway, Marielle Hemingway, but Margot Hemingway, the sister, who uh, I think she was Marielle's sister. You know, they're yes. all related. Right. And she, yeah, she committed suicide too, I believe. Right. You know, but he, uh, but I, th- you know, I guess it's some 
I didn't read deeper, but they was talking about, oh, I believe he had the same diagnosis, the genetic disorder that his dad had or some shit. I guess that's what they might have been trying to uh, reason his suicide for, you know, because his dad was a physician, you know. So, you know, they were all very, they're very successful, smart people. Right. Yeah. Right. Margot Hemingway, what I remember about her was when I was like 12 or something. And I guess, you know, she was already on the downside of her career. She was like on those um, real cheesy, low budget, you know, sort of skinamaxy movies. One of those. Yes. You know, like an Andrew Stevens flick or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you can Google Andrew Stevens if you want to know what I'm talking Like Night Eyes. Shadow right. Tweed movies, you know, those. Yes. She was in like one. <laughs> At least one of those she was in. <laughs> all right, I had to Google Margot Hemingway because all I can picture in my head is Muriel Hemingway. Yeah, it's spelled like G A U X, I believe, Margot. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And they look basically the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big square faces. Yep. Muriel Hemingway, you remember the big deal was she kissed Roseanne. Uh, I do remember that, but why was that a big deal? Because it was a lesbian kiss on broadcast television. Exactly. It's 2015. Why was that a big deal? Right. (laughs) (laughs) See these commercials where they got got homosexuals in these commercials now. (laughs) Like, great. Can't can't buy that product. (laughs) Right. Right. I was actually at a party. How that? Damn a month ago now uh it was the saturday before thanksgiving a friend had a housewarming party and at the it was late night you know only a few literally like three people three or four guests were left there it was me i was one of them and it was a friend of mine sean who is a he's uh you know he's gay the girl i was having a housewarming party she's like the policy director she's straight but for this thing called the forum for equality basically the gay rights lgbt rights political action group in louisiana you know okay and sean's very actively involved with it he went to law school with me and we were watching snl and they showed a commercial for i don't know it was bed bath and beyond you know it was like promoting calphalon you know like pots and stuff and they were showing like holiday scenes and one of the scenes involved uh an interracial gay couple and i just start going off on it <laughs> i was like well i'm not buying their products anymore damn it <laughs> that was just what was that a couple of years ago when cheerios introduced that commercial with the with the mixed race child the interracial couple and the mixed race child and people were getting pissed off about it i'm like oh the horrors People that, <laughs> that you would portray people in an interracial relationship because that would never happen. Right. <laughs> Chick fil A is closed for a week now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So ridiculous. Yeah. Those, um, those activists who, who feel the need to, what's it called? Protest. Yes. Against such nonsensical bullshit. Yeah. Like, at this point, what? Like, 
you've seen it all, right? Uh, Everything's well, mainstream. You want to talk about protests? Today was the day that the New Orleans City Council basically voted to tear down the four monuments that they've been talking about for a while. Right, you okay. Know? All right. So and it's- I'll say this much, you know, I'm not even the biggest monument supporter, but it all started because the mayor opened his mouth. No one would even give it a damn. They were just gone about it. But when that st- stuff happened in South Carolina where that little crazy asshole shot people, the mayor was like, well, we should tear down the monuments now, you know? Right. No one right. was no one was begging for the monuments to be torn down for, before that. But But the thing is, New Orleans is a fucked up city. Crime here is out of fucking control. People are getting shot all the damn time, you know? Like, I don't know. And all these people are getting pissed off over that. And it's like, you know, like, we got to take care of this because it's bad. And it's like, I don't know. They got a lot of people out there worrying more about symbols than actual action. You know, they're getting more impassioned about friggin', you know the tearing down the monuments and why they need to tear down than actually fucking fixing the bullshit that's wrong with the city. You right. Know? You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, all it's- right, if you want to take the monuments down, fine. I'm not even going to sit here. I'm not going to defend Robert E. Lee's role or whatever. I just think that it's a, it's a friggin' bullshit distracting issue to bring up when there's so many more problems to deal with than statues, you know? Well, that's that's the thing is, you know, kind of growing up um, there, you know, there'd be a, um, you know, somebody who gets pulled over, you know, yeah. they get a, you're, you're at a family function and and somebody not so much in my family because we're a bunch of cops. But, you, you know, the scene where they come in and and somebody got a ticket. I was like, sorry, I'm late. I got pulled over. Bullshit yeah. cops. You know, I got nothing better to do. I said to him, isn't there a real crime out there? And my thought process, really not being indoctrinated into the real world, was, well, you you broke the law, so you did do something wrong, and you got caught, and you got in trouble. But yeah. now, as a tax-paying adult living in a distressed city, there is always somebody pulled over on one of the major thoroughfares of Asbury Park. But... Nowhere do you see a cop in the housing projects or the gang-related um, neighborhoods. Of course, because how does that make them revenue? Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's always a real problem that could be tackled, but the infrastructure that I would say most American towns have is not conducive to that. It's conducive and and requires revenue generating opportunities yeah. or at least projects that divert attention from the real problems that take money to cure. Yeah, well that's to make the problem money. here, man. For the la- this thing has basically occupied everything for the last 4 months. Four or five months ever since the mayor said some shit about it, you know. Some people have been protesting on both sides. There have been multiple city council meetings. Meanwhile, there's way less cops than there was right after Katrina, you know, because they can't pay them enough money. So people come in and 
you know, they move on to other jobs that pay better with the state police or other other agencies, you know, other departments around. Crime's out of control. The streets are all left up. The city's got loads of budget issues, you know. But but let's fuck around with the monuments. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know. It's like, whatever side you're on, just by doing this has created so much, it's creating so much resentment. You know, either way, it would have created a shitload of resentment that was going to linger for a while. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I definitely would say, yeah, get rid of the fucking Jefferson Davis statue. Change the fucking street name after Jefferson Davis. That's fine with me. Jefferson fucking Davis. But, like, <laughs> I don't know. The Robert E. Lee, yes, all right, maybe. But it's the thing about the Robert E. Lee, it's a prominent place in town. You know, like, it's Lee Circle. Everybody knows. Go to Lee Circle. It's, you know, if you're driving, it's... What bridges uptown with downtown? You go through Lee Circle. It's where what it's been for a hundred something years now. You know, it's just like, and now and now they're gonna have to figure out what we're gonna call it now. And you know, it's gonna <laughs> be some stupid shit. You know, right? There's gonna have some ridiculous, inoffensive. You know, <laughs> it's gonna be like the friggin'. You ever watch Community? No, 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 but I know... Um, uh, well, you know what the mascot for the community uh, college on that show was? What was it? Was it Greendale or whatever the name of the school was? Okay. It was the human being, and it was a... <laughs> the mascot was a nondescript, like, completely, like, white, like, not, like, you know, like, ghost white, like, one of those, you know, those uh, those green man suits people wear? Yes. That's what it was. That was the the uh, mascot. It was the uh, most inoffensive thing it could be. The human being. <laughs> was is that what the gist of that show was about? What? Kind of poking fun at political it poked correctness. Poking fun at all kinds of stuff. Yeah, just like the whole not just political correctness, but that was just one of the aspects of it, you know, like the deans coming in, you know. Uh and I mean it would make sense, yeah. I mean funny thing about that is today I went to the CLA. And, you know, because it's end of the year, I got to get my CLE hours in, you know? That's it. That's it. And it was one, and it was a free one, which is cool. And a, a friend of mine, she's uh, the legal director with the Charter School Foundation. They were putting it on. So I was talking to her before, and she's like, uh, I don't know why you, I, I just can't believe you don't do like what Chris does, who's another guy graduated with us. Uh, he teaches, he teaches a class every semester at at Tulane, like a law studies class, I guess sort of like you did, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, he does the same thing, like an adjunct spot teaching teaching a, a lecture once a week, you know? I was like, you know, with all the shit, the way colleges are now, I don't think I could teach a class on a college campus, you know? I'd be the king of the microaggression. just because i friggin have a i i can't help myself i say shit you know like i make jokes and you're not allowed to have a sense of humor on a college campus anymore from what from what it looks like you know right like everything needs to have redress you know like 
like I think I think it is going to become the human being, you know. <laughs> I um last time I taught a class, somebody had to go to the bathroom. Yeah. So they raised their hand and say and said, uh, "Can I go to the bathroom?" And they asked you in a college class if they could go to the bathroom. Well, I think they said. I think they said because I because my do, my desk was by the door, so they had to walk by me. But oh, yeah, so it's awkward. So they said, "Mate, you know, can I be excused or something like that?" Yeah. And and I took that to to mean they had to go to the bathroom. And on their way out the door, it happened to be a girl. On the way out their door, at the on her way out the door, I made a crack about yeah. the bathroom, and I don't I don't know what it was, but it was I don't know. It's I remember it as. One of those cracks you always make when somebody goes to the bathroom, like, you know, I'm going to jump in the shower. They're like, well, don't get hurt. You know, like one of those kind of play on word type of deals. Wasn't particularly offensive. Wasn't particularly funny, but it was timely. And I said it. No sooner did it come out of my mouth. I was like, oh, how am I going to? How am I going to pull this back in? How am I going to flip? I'm going to get in trouble for this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, because there's no room for humor. Yep. Like you can't. Dude, what are you, a a misogynist? (laughs) I mean, that's obviously, you know, a byproduct of your white male privilege. Right. You would make such a comment to. To to somebody like that, you know? It didn't help that she was also the prettiest girl in class and. Wait for it. The dumbest. <laughs> what a shock. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, I don't... I'm not a huge fan of trying to use overt humor in, in the workplace very often now. Yeah. Like, I'm not in a business... I'm not in an office setting where... Um, you get to know people's personalities and you have time to, you know, recover from a bad joke or, or something like that. I, I used to fancy myself witty, but I, I don't know if I'm just too old now or I never really was that witty because <laughs> I, I'm not particularly quick with a joke. And when they, when I do deliver it, um, it falls flat every single time. Yeah. So now in these settings where my interaction is so limited and I never see the same people twice, um, it's it's useless. But today there was a I had a mediation today down at the courthouse. Yeah. And it was a, sp- a special civil court, um, a special part trial that they don't usually try uh, special civil cases on this particular day but they'd brought them in so it was like a big deal and they had to scramble to find a mediator um and i was the guy and they brought us they had no rooms available so they stuck us in the judge's chamber uh the the jury room uh in one of the judge's courtrooms i have no experience in a courtroom setting yeah i don't practice and if i did practice i'm not a litigator so this is all foreign to me so I'm I'm just kind of flying by the seat of my pants, and I put up the, all the parties in the um, in the jury room. So they're sitting in there, and I'm waiting for the pleadings so I can read what this case is about. 
and I'm just kind of standing where I'm not supposed to stand because I'm in a secure area of the judge's chambers and like I don't have any dealings with judges I don't are they gonna shoot me you know like what's what's protocol here for a guy that doesn't know protocol so I'm kind of waiting and I'm getting a little nervous and I I'm like, I know what I'm going to do. They're, they're sitting in there, and it seems pretty tense. Uh, I'm going to break gonna break the ice. And, yeah. And uh, so I stick my head in. I said, guys, I'll be right with you. Um, feel free to settle this. And uh, so we can all go home for the day. <laughs> I thought that was a nice little icebreaker. Yeah. Uh, they just kind of looked at me, and it was, you know, like I farted in church. and. I'd then slink back out of the room, you know, and go stand <laughs> in a spot that's not really, really conducive to me standing and staying out of the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I, uh, I'm gonna put my jokes back in, back yeah. in my pocket and keep them there. Well, see, yeah, that's what you got. Sometimes people don't take the jokes. Yeah. You know, today I called one of these. You know, I had to call to ask about hospital bills just in case you can get one of these call center people. And I made a joke with her, and she just was, like, silent. I'm like, it's a joke. Chill out, you know? <laughs> because, you know, you deal with these people. Everything is so acrimonious to begin with. These right. customer service people. You know, I mean, it shouldn't be. But, they, but when you're asking for, like, medical bills, you know, they always... Because they, cause they'll talk to you like they have no clue what you're asking. You know, right. You know what I'm talking right. about? <laughs> like, this is the first time they've heard what you're saying. Yeah. Despite the fact that they probably have heard it a thousand times in the course of a, of a, of a year, you know? Yeah. What was the... What? You had a case? What? It, I mean, it's trying to... I was calling up about medical bills because we're trying to resolve this case. It's a workers' comp long short case, and that's one of the issues that they'll pay for the medical bills. You know, we want to make sure we know exactly how much they need to pay because if they don't pay the exact amount, the guy's going to be on the hook for anything that's left. You know, right? Right. So you know, medical billing and all this shit is the most arcane Byzantine system in the world. You know, like the guy was being treated at Tulane University Hospital. I went down to the hospital itself. And I'm like, oh, well, we only can give you these for the treatment that was through the doctors. You know, because that's tied into the actual university. You need to call this number to get the uh, charges that are through the hospital. You know, so it's all bifurcated. You know, even though we have bills saying this, you know. But, but the center that deals with Tulane's billing is in Atlanta, you know? Even though Tulane's a local school, everything's here. Oh, right, You right. know, they got some third-party company that, that's Tulane billing, you know, in Atlanta. <laughs> so so they were able to give me the shit that involved the stuff that was through the doctors who were on faculty at Tulane and get paid through Tulane. But the actual hospital bills, you know, I got to, which is way worse because, you know, Trying to get in touch with the people at Tulane, I eventually went down there myself because it was a pain to get anybody on the phone. I wish the hospital thing was here too because it's way easier just to walk in there because they just can't toss you out 
or throw you off. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And like exactly. the other day, I talked to some woman, and she's like, "Well, fax me the authorization. I'll fax you right back to what you need." And the thing was, went through all this, every bill that they were going to give me this shit on, you know, every number. And then I faxed it to her. I haven't received anything from her. And trying to track down the person in the call center that you spoke to that promised you that is a pain in the ass. So I called the lady. I call up there and this lady answers. And she's like, oh, that's not how it works. You fax something in, it gets scanned, and then it won't be processed for two or three weeks. I was like, no, that's not (laughs) what they told me. And I was like, can I just speak to somebody else? And she put me on hold. <laughs> and oh, somebody else picked up the phone and I told them, I was like, this is who I spoke to. Her name was Jennifer. And I faxed it. And she's like, well, what number? And I told her, and she's like, oh, that's a direct line. And she's like, hold on one second. So I assume she transferred me to her. But then, of course, it went to voicemail. But it's a generic voicemail because it's a call center. Right. You know, even though it might be her extension, she's like, the person, this extension is not available. So I just left a message and that's where I leave it. But like, that's the thing. You know, the first person that answered today was one of those assholes. Oh, that's not how it works here. You know? Yep. When like on Monday on, I had to call the same people where somebody, you know, did the same thing for me where they just sent me the form, the bill I was looking for. Without getting the authorization or anything, you know, because it was already on record anyway. But then the next day, I had to call for more bills, you know, and that lady wanted the authorization. You know, everybody's got their, everybody's got their own interpretation of how they can help you. Right. <laughs> right. You know, I was like, why couldn't I just get that? And the thing is, it's it's like roulette. You're not guaranteed to get the same person you asked for the other day. They don't have their own individual numbers to give you. It sucks. You know? The whole medical industry is so whacked, man. I was just talking to somebody. It's funny because I I go – so the mediation court program is a volunteer so the court mediation program is a volunteer program. And I'm I'm using it just to log accreditation hours. But I'm the only I'm gonna I'm gonna use the term young guy because it's all relative. I'm the only person of non retirement age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody else is retired. Some are retired judges, some are retired businessmen, some are retired lawyers. They all have their story and they're all in their seventies. Um and they love the new guy because they get to recycle all their stories yeah you know old people only have a handful of stories despite all their life experience and wisdom trust me i've heard every one of my old man's stories (laughs) each one of them all six of them i've heard 50 times in the past month you know i have to tell you about this i was like yes errol and and yes he's the big football star at high school yes he'd stand at midfield and he'd kick uh, field goals. He kicked the football through the field goal, through the goalpost on each side at midfield. Yes, I've heard this a million times. <laughs> yeah. It's like I've told see, you that. You know about that. I was like, you always fucking talk about it. <laughs> oh my god! See, so that my experience is totally different. Um, and my grandfather passed away before he got into his seventies. 
So maybe he would have gotten there eventually, but he was a guy with a million stories, but he was always, he was like making stories. He, he would always tell you what just happened. Okay. You know, he's like, oh, I was at, uh, you know, I went out to get milk and there was a robbery and, you know, so I warded off this, uh, you know, this, this assassin and uh, he was a kidnapper as well and I freed a you know, a 10 year old girl, like, he yeah, just always found himself in these situations. Um, oh, like he's dad. Yeah. Like he's, he's living some kind of crazy life. Right. Right. Yeah. And my dad is, it was, is to this day still the opposite. Like, Oh, you know, we'll see uh Princeton, uh, basketball game and they'll, you know, have the tiger mascot or whatever. And he's like, Oh, yeah, I never tell you guys about the time we stole the uh, Princeton uh, mascot. <laughs> no, no, Dad. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure I've told you that one. No, that's a that's a pretty good story, Dad. What, you know, why don't you tell it to me? Oh, blah blah blah. No kidding. Chuck Bednarik died recently, and he's like, "Oh, that's too bad." I remember playing basketball with Chuck Bednarik. I'm like, "What?" He's like. Oh yeah, I never told you about. Uh, I used to hang out with Chuck Bednarik. <laughs> and I'm like, no. How was like, your dad hanging out with Chuck Bednarik? At Penn. Ah. Chuck Bednarik was a Penn guy. No, grad I know he's he, a Penn guy, but your he dad, like, the, while he was a student there, yeah, Chuck so Bednarik while, would come there and play basketball yeah, with them because he was up, he played for the Eagles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, he would just come back to campus and play basketball and whatever, um, you know, during his downtimers off season. And my dad was a huge basketball player. And I'm like, no, Dad, you never. That's a pretty interesting story. <laughs> so these guys that I um, that I've met at the courthouse all, you know, have the same stories. They love to tell over and over again. You can kind of tell it. But um, an older dude and I were talking about um, auto insurance a little bit, and then I said, "Well, you, the real scam is health insurance," and. He was like, "Oh yeah, you know that is that is crazy." I remember back in the seventies when, you know, you could go to the doctor and it only cost you, you know, twenty five bucks. He's like, "Yeah, now you got to fill out requisition forms." And oh, it's that's what costs so much. All the the whole administration of it all. I just did my health insurance for two thousand sixteen, and I was able to knock it down a really? hundred bucks. Mine went up thirty something dollars a month. Wow. Um, you know what though? I think when I did my original one, um, I had included Ange in the household because I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I filled it out wrong. Um, so this time I didn't include her income in the household. So I think I got, uh, I got about $150 worth of tax credits. I mean, my brother made a good point the other day. I mean, health insurance is a scam to begin with. The idea that everybody should have it. It'd be better off if it was like car insurance, but he made a good point. He's like, think about how stupid that is. The idea that they got to cover doctor visits and all that type, like routine doctor visits. It's like, it'd be like if you went and friggin' made an insurance claim when you got your oil changed. Right. You know, and that's one of the reasons all this crap is so expensive because they've demanded that all this stuff has to be included, you know? Well, they. I don't get that. I don't understand why insurance has to cover friggin' birth control and all that stuff. You know, birth control's not that much. 
If you have such an interest in it, you can spend the 30 to 50 bucks a month on it out of your own damn pocket. You know? The, um, you know what's a really good insurance model is my dog's insurance. <laughs> yeah, your dog probably has better insurance. Yes. It is, um, I pay like 30 bucks a month for each dog. Yeah. That doesn't cover annual vet visits and wellness treatment. So if they have to get their rabies shot, wait, you go through what do you do? You go through Banfield, like PetSmart. No, all right, because uh, I got a no. plan, a wellness plan for my dog. It's like twenty five dollars a month through Banfield, and every six months they check him up and they make sure he gets all his shots and stuff. Oh, uh, see, this is the opposite. Yeah, I'm responsible for making sure he gets well. They get wellness care, okay. but if they have to treat an injury or an illness, I get eighty percent of that um, treatment covered. Okay, which is straightforward and upfront. Yeah. Now the problem is, but that's in, what insurance is supposed to be there for. Insurance right. is supposed to exist <laughs> to cover you for shit that. Would be a hindrance, you know, if all of a sudden you had to pay for it. Not going to the doctor once a year, you know, not friggin' routine stuff, you know. But no, they've made it where it's got to cover everything, so it makes everything too damn expensive. And you got this whole apparatus, you know, where hospitals, you know, employ infinitely more people that have nothing to do with healthcare. Than the ones that are actually concerned with your care, you know? Well, that's the other thing that if they were to truly make it a free market and let individuals shop for their services and let doctors shop for their vendors and their services and charge what their market can bear, it would, it would, it would pull everything in line, but it's, it's so whacked. I went to uh, went to a doctor one time, and my insurance company wasn't. That's the other thing. The insurance company's not paying it, and yep. there's thirty day and sixty day and ninety day um, waiting periods, etc. Blah blah blah. And the doctor, um, I go in, and and they said, "Listen, we can't treat you because your insurance company hasn't paid yet. Once they do, we can treat you again." I'm like, "Well, how much is it? I'll pay it." And yeah. I looked at the bill and. It was 135 bucks, and I was like, "Okay, can I just let me cut you a check for 135 bucks, and I'll deal with the insurance company?" And they said, "Nope, sorry, because your bill would be 475 bucks." Yeah, negotiated rate, insurance rate, and that's the thing I was dealing with the other day, trying to get the health insurance claim forms. Like the bills we have say. $1,563, $1,563, and you get the health insurance claim form bill, and it's like 350 bucks. <laughs> right. So is it a is it a $3,000 service or, or $1,300 service that has been so bastardized that how can these hospitals and doctors make any money? No. Or is it a $135 service that they're trying to mark up they're marking tenfold. up to get back what they're promised by the insurance company. That's what it is. I mean, that's what it is. It's marked up. The real price is closer to $135. Then, right. It is. So and then you know why I know that's definitely true? 
Because what you're paying for when you go to a hospital, you're paying for all those administrators and stuff, you know? Right. And if you have the insurance, you know, they reduce it. But I was reading an article a couple of years ago, and it was, you know, I read what's called Reason.com. You know, it's a super libertarian thing, you know, the Reason Foundation. And they interviewed these guys. I think they're in Tulsa, Oklahoma City, these doctors who were like at big hospitals. And then they pulled out and they opened their own practice where they do surgeries and stuff. They don't accept any insurance. They, uh, the biggest problem is trying to find out what the price of having stuff done is. Like if you called, if you were to call whatever the local big hospital is, like if I was to call auctioner here or whatever and say, uh, how much would it cost to, uh, you know, for uh, a bypass or some bullshit, you know, whatever. Yeah. They, they wouldn't be able to tell you. But what these guys did... For everything they do, they just publish the price list. This is how much it costs. In the comparisons between what they stuff that the at the hospital says thirty thousand, they're like, well, that's actually five thousand. You know, like because they're they're still procedures. You know, right? Like right, expensive right. procedures, but they're not thirty thousand dollar procedures. But the thing is, since they don't accept health insurance, and all they have is a small clinic where. Who does the intake and all that? It's it's a it's the nurse, the same nurse that's treating you in there, you know. So they don't have this whole infrastructure, you know. And since they're not taking insurance, they're just doing it straight up. They don't have to support an infrastructure like that, you know. It's and and that's what probably the real cost of everything is. Yeah, no, and that most makes sense. people could afford that, or you'd. You could at least finance it the way you finance, you know, a car, you know, yeah. shit you need, you know, like if you were like, oh, I need to take out a $5,000 loan, that wouldn't be the biggest deal in the world if it deals with your friggin' life or death. Right. People, no, people makes... all the time have no problem taking out loans to buy friggin' $40,000 cars, you know? Makes total sense. I was sick the other day and... When I was on Angie's insurance, they were a nightmare because they didn't pay anything and they were a scam. And the superintendent of their school district that set up the um, the insurance policy, that's how he ended up going to jail because it was a big scam. Yeah. And he got brought up on bribery charges. But it had a lot of coverage, but it had a lot of coverage because the it was like um, it was like Rainmaker. Yeah, you know, they just deny, 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 oh, deny, yeah, deny, dude. deny, we see deny, that shit deny. All the time with these ERISA cases and stuff. So these administrators I, just deny the fuck out of everything. Right. That's the biggest scam in the world are these long-term disability plans. Oh, those are the. They do the same things. They just deny. Yeah, what they do is, this is the big bullshit they do. They will. Uh, they make you like, all right, think about how fucked up this is. A lot of times companies these guys work at, they'll, you know, they'll take money out of your check and they tell you, this is a bonus to you, this long-term disability plan, you know? Like they make you think it's a perk, but you actually get injured, you know? You legitimately get injured, but then, you know, they start paying you 
the long-term disability plan, but they make you apply for Social Security disability. Yeah. Okay. And here's the catch-22. If you get approved for the disability, disability payments go back to when you apply. You know? So then the long-term plan is going to be like, well, we need a reduction. You know, you owe us this much money because you were paying. We were paying you during this time, when it, and now it's turned out, like, say, six months later, you get the approval from Social Security Disability. You owe us for all that money from those six months that we paid you. Oh, horrible. But then if you get turned down for the disability, they're like, well, hell, Social Security doesn't think you're disabled. We don't think you're disabled. You owe us for that six months because you really weren't disabled. Oh, my God. It's a fucking scam, dude. Those things aren't worth shit. All they are is something that employers give to friggin' employees, you know, that somebody comes in and sells them to make them think they're getting some kind of perk when they're really not getting shit. Man, you know what's so funny is that one of the first real major life disagreements Ange and I had was over financial planning. Yeah. And I had, I should have known better. And now I do in retrospect because um, the dirtbag went to jail. But um, my boss had his brother-in-law come in and you had a mandatory meeting with him. Yeah, Hustling like and, one of his life insurance like yep, companies. Yeah. Totally. But he was the nicest guy in the world. This is why it had to be mandatory because he couldn't close any business outside in the real world. And eventually he ended up getting fired or, you know, not producing enough money and he came to work for us. Okay. Which he probably should have been in the first place. But a real nice guy. And I don't know, he had me all jacked up on uh, term life and whole life and um disability and um the whole deal well i failed my physical for the life insurance but i passed for the disability and it was the only thing that i got and uh i don't know it was like 250 bucks a month yeah yeah and andrew's like you don't need that you know and i'm like no no you don't understand i need it what if i get hurt you know we're not gonna be able to afford the house my loans blah 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 and uh and sure enough, after a couple months, I just gave up. I stopped paying the premium because yeah. it was I such, mean, a, such a I waste. I don't know if they're all... I mean, some of them are probably better than others. But even ones that are good, because I know Jacob had a case on one of these. It was a guy who was from New Orleans, but he had moved to Philadelphia years, years and years ago, like in the 70s. And he worked his way up at a hotel there, you know, from being like just like one of the janitors or whatever in a hotel to be in like having a super high paying job i'm sure a, a union gig where he okay. was making like 200 grand a year basically running the physical plant of the hotel you know right and he got injured and they were paying him about money but the problem was you know they pay you two-thirds he was the guy was paid so much that when the first chance they got to cut him off yeah, they cut him off. You know, like they they found doctors to say no, he's not really hurt. You know, like they're they're <laughs> they're gonna try to find a way to not pay you. 
Right. You know, even though this guy had sat there and probably paid into this deal for decades, you know, the first chance they could get. And Jacob Wynn argued the case all the way to to the literally argued the case in the Fifth Circuit, you know? Uh Uh-huh. Like, you know, usually you don't argue. You know, usually it's all on briefs when you get to that point, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I mean, uh, and and he lost, of course, because, you know, unfortunately he was in Louisiana, you know, which... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's Uh, the fact of the matter. You're in Louisiana, you know, you're in the Fifth Circuit, which is, you know, Texas, Louisiana... You know, who else? I guess maybe Mississippi or whatever. You know, so there's a good chance, you know, you get a three-judge panel. There's a good chance all three of them are going to be uh, friggin' appointed by Republicans, you know? Right, right. And, I mean, all three of his weren't appointed by Republicans. Though one of them was a professor I had who got appointed by Obama while I was, while I was in school there. But he still lost, you know? Because it's hard to win those cases, and and the more conservative the the friggin' justices are, the the less likely it is for you to win it. You know, right? So I don't know. The those things just suck because it was bullshit what they did to this guy. They just they just ginned up. They just found some whore doctor that you know who they use for everything to say people are never injured. You know, right. (laughs) Some guy to analyze the records and go through everything and say, oh, no, I don't think this guy's really, uh, really injured. And he stamps it. Doctor such and such, you know. Right. So, yeah. So Andrew's right about that, I think, though. (laughs) In retrospect, yes, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So I actually had a lunch meeting with a guy from high school today because I basically... I, I have no retirement. I got some tiny 401k, you know? Yeah. But I got a little money to invest this year, you know? And uh, I was like, I got to do something, you know? I was like thinking about pensions I could get into. You know, I got, I got to start saving now, you know? Yep. Since I had a big chunk of change left over. Not huge, but big for me. Right. You know, so I went and met with this guy at lunch who does all that stuff. And I was like, dude, I just need to, I just need to get this money out of the account and just have some idea with it for me. Cause it's like, you know, you know, pretty soon it'll be too late, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, I, I am, uh, I'm only saved by the fact that whatever I would have had, accrued would have been lost in the 2008 crash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So then everybody else had to start over then, you know, that was my age. Yeah. Um, And in in my particular position. Um, But yeah, I'm way behind the eight ball on that. Oh, yeah. I got a very, literally a very tiny 401k. Whatever two years of working, making 20-something friggin' uh, $1,000 a year with my small little basically 4% contributions per paycheck, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's not much. Yeah. But it's there. (laughs) I barely even look at it, although I look at it every now and then, and I notice the fluctuations through years. 
and it went way down when all that shit went down. Then it came back up. You know, but it's still not worth much. Yeah, right. five figures max. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which definitely isn't enough to retire on. <laughs> well, I either uh, I either need to hit the lottery, <laughs> yeah, or have markets go uh, absolutely crazy over the next uh, twenty years. Yeah, otherwise I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna be working till about eighty. Yep, that's me. I'll always be working. Oh well. And to be honest, I think I think we're in that that generation. I think we're in that class that um, that's going to be everybody's story. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's what pisses me off. Like my dad will sit there and complain about uh, Social Security and Medicare and all this bullshit. It's like, what are you talking about? And my mom would be like, we paid into it. I was like, you get way more out of it than you paid into it. Uh, another thing is. A 39-year-old today is way worse off than a 39-year-old was in 1985. Oh, yeah? I mean, that's a fact. Totally. You know, it's like y'all were way better off than us, and now y'all – that's what the whole thing is. It's a whole transfer of wealth from the young who need money to the relatively wealthy old people, you know? Yeah. It's, It's fucked up. You know, it's I, um, always been that way. It's a pyramid scheme, basically. Like, if you I, would do this, Bernie Madoff got in trouble for the shit that the government does. Yeah. With entitlements. You know, because that's what, that's what Madoff was doing. Uh, the first, that's like the Mets guys were early on. So yeah. they didn't think they were losing money because he was telling them, oh, these are the profits, which was really just. Other people's money. The people further oh. down the line whose money he was getting. <laughs> You know, it's so funny. At least once a day, I'm confronted with an issue that I should be addressing head on. Yeah. And I look at it and I say, I'm just going to kick it down the road. Congress does. Yeah. And that's just how things work. Yep. You know, if it happens on that grand of a scale, how can it not trickle down to everything else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, what are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, can't bitch about it. I mean, but, you know, we're going broke from it. I'm like, I'm always telling my parents, I'm like, I don't know what you're all bitching about. We're, it's like, you should be thanking me, you know? (laughs) Right. (laughs) My taxes are going to you, you know? (laughs) You didn't put enough in to pay what they're paying you. (laughs) (laughs) they really didn't they you know it's whatever it's just it's just bad it's just bad you know i don't know everybody you know the expression there's no free lunch doesn't even have any merit anymore no it's all just free lunch yes that's what it is we live in a world of free lunch everybody wants entitlements everything Everybody wants everything, and no one wants to pay for it. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> no one wants to pay for it. <laughs> and all well, now- is, oh, well, government's got so much money. Why don't they just do it? It's like, but that's not how that works. This money <laughs> isn't just, you know. <laughs> Every time they go and do it, it's worth less and less. You know, all around, just like, you know, just like. We don't spend enough money on defense. Well, 
really? We're spending more than everybody <laughs> than the next seven countries combined. Right. Everything, you know? Right. We're not spending enough money on this. And just like the whole Bernie Sanders campaign. Well, who's gonna pay the eighteen trillion a year it takes to to do that? To to cover everybody the way you want to cover them. Who's gonna pay for the trillions it's gonna take to send everybody to college for free? And why does everybody have to go to college? Right. Uh, I don't know. There's loads of jobs in this country that you don't need to go to college for. I don't know. It's just everything can't be for free, man. You know? Make everything cost what its market value is and we'll quickly get to an equilibrium. Yes. Because those things that people don't find value in, they will not pay exorbitant amount of money for. Yeah. I would gladly I would gladly if I had a kid, I would gladly finance that kid's education if that kid wanted to go to college. Yeah. And that kid had the acumen to succeed there. Yeah. But that's your if, kid and that would be your money. You do what the hell you want to do with it anyway. Well, exactly. But the point is, I would find a way to pay it if they stopped with federal aid and grants and programming and et cetera. Yeah. If if private loan was the only way to do it, just tell me what that education is, is costs, and I'll determine if that's the place my kid should go. Well, that's what pisses me off, too. Like, I'm... Up to my teeth in student loan debt, as you are too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we went to law school on top of it. Thing is, before there was a, uh, an elaborate student loan program, you know how much more affordable it was to go to college? That Exactly. You know you know why college is so damn expensive? Because once it's guaranteed that the schools are getting the money, you know what they do? They jack up the price of everything. You ever see the rate of, the rate of tuition hikes compared to inflation? Yeah, it starts it's going insane. through the roof in the eighties. Yeah. yeah, that's that's my point. Is yeah. that you know, like it goes back to the medical, uh, the medical coverage thing. You know, you'd find a way to pay for that five thousand dollar procedure yes. if you determine that five thousand dollar procedure would save your life. If yes. I could determine that my kid would have a better life by going to a fifteen thousand dollar a year college that was a top-notch college because that's what $15,000 gets you. Yeah. Because that's how much it costs to run it per student. Then, by all means, I'd find the money to do that. But colleges have the same problem as hospitals and all that. The administrative bloat. Yep. Did you see about that? Yeah, that was this year, this thing about Syracuse, how they did an audit and... They found out that they had way too many people. It was like <laughs> two administrators for every one student or something. You know, something ridiculous. Did you see that? No, I didn't, but I can it believe it. It was early this year. It was about how many just people that they had who had no no, no reason to be there. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and they started laying people off, I think, because of it, you know? Because they did it's this so, huge audience, like we're wait, we're we're spending all this money on this bullshit, you know? Yeah, it's so funny because my dad has a great 
has a great synopsis of of the of the state of uh, of the financial um, culture in this country. And he said, you know, back in the day when we were an agricultural society, um, you know, you either had to produce the agriculture or produce something yeah. that the farmer needed. Yep. And then you exchange that. When we went to a manufacturing society, you either had to manufacture the good or produce something that the manufacturer needed in order to have a transaction. It wasn't necessarily barter, but y- you you had a give and a take. Yep. Now, our industry is essentially greed. Our, our industry is middleman. Yeah. Let me not produce anything. Let me take something somebody else is doing and pass it along to somebody else who needs that thing, and I'm going to mark it up along the way. Everything's about the markup. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's producing anything anymore. Yeah, I mean, which, like, in a traditional sense, had a place, you know, like the farmer to the market to the guy who sells it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but in the service economy, <laughs> which we have now, I get what you're saying, you know? I have a ticket. I have a venue. I'm going to sell the right to that seat to a ticket company. That ticket company is going to then contract with an internet provider who will then sell that ticket to... A fan. Meanwhile, the venue has to pay a little something to the the ticket promoter. The ticket promoter has to pay a little something to the ticket distributor. The ticket distributor has to pay a little something to the internet provider. And everybody just takes a little bit yep. along the way for the same product that could have been sold directly from the origin if they would have taken the time to invest in that. Yeah. But it's that's well, the not worst the case. Is, the worst, as far as tickets go, though, we're going to talk about that, is Ticketmaster. Yeah. They're, you can't that's even the, just walk up to the box office and buy anything. You know, they're like, no, they, they'll make you buy it through there just so they can squeeze. Even though you're printing up the ticket and everything, they still charge you like $9 in service fees or whatever. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's like, why am I, you know, just tell me that that's the price of the ticket. Don't make it sound like it's an extra surcharge or some shit. You, you know? Right. It's like, oh, it's $60 for a ticket. Oh, great. It's going to be $60. I need two of those. And then you check out it. And it's not $120. It's $143.87. Some weird number. Exactly. Yeah. And in that point, you're so invested in the transaction that you have to weigh that extra $20 and say, well, uh, I've already committed. Yep. And it's like, what am I paying this for? Because then you go and you print up the ticket on your own damn paper. You know? Right. <laughs> Provided you have printer ink. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, how? yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, on that note, then, we've tackled, uh, we've, we've managed to tackle um, health insurance. Yeah. We've managed to tackle the, uh, um, the federal deficit. Yeah. And uh, now the economy of Ticketmaster. Uh, I'm in a little bit of a quandary here. We're, we're about an hour deep. Um, we haven't talked about the St. John's game yet. I wanted yep. to tell you about this show. Haven't uh, talked about The Force Awakens. 
Um, right, haven't talked about the force. <laughs> and last night I went tomorrow. to a movie with Jordan, and when we walked at one a.m., they were starting to show the very first Star Wars, all seven movies. Episode four was going to start at one a.m., and they were they're playing them not in episodes one through; they're playing in chronological four. Okay, when they were okay. released. And when we got to the movie, we went to see Creed last night. Okay. Uh, and there was like probably like six or seven people in line. And, you know, they were in like the, uh, you know, where they call those things, you know, where they got the Cues. ropes and all that stuff, the stanchions with the ropes okay. set up. Yeah. The like Q. in a little, uh, <laughs> a little cattle shoot. Right. You know, and this, we got there at the movies at 830, you know, they were, these people were lined up for the 1 a.m. film. And then when we came out, which was like 10 something, there was probably a hundred people in there. <laughs> And they, these people were all there. They're going to go in that theater from 1 a.m. They're probably still in that theater. They were going to watch all seven Star Wars movies. You know, oh everyone leading up to The Force Awakens tonight. How that's fucking a, nuts is that? That's at least a 12-hour ordeal. I, I was saying it's at least 15 hours. Okay. Probably okay. even longer than that because they probably take at least a half-hour break between the movies. Right, because they, they're going to want them to to go buy popcorn. Yeah, and I mean, stretch. I know some of those movies are a little bit longer than two hours. Right. <laughs> you know? So you say, <laughs> so they, and they had it spaced out, I guess, in such a way to when you could actually see the premiere, but it guarantees that you're in there, you know, and people were camping out, and we walk outside, and there's, you know, these two nerds walking up, and they were both dressed up, and one guy, you know, he had two lightsabers. And I was like, "Pose!" And he took, I took a couple of pictures of. Him. <laughs> I posted on Facebook last night as the nerd awakens. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I and the problem is, I really want to see the movie. I just don't want to deal with all the crowds. But my fear is, I don't want to know anything about it till I see it. But I want to kind of wait a week to see it just because I don't want to deal with the fucking crowds. Yeah. I'm going to wait till after Christmas. Yeah. That's because I don't. Yes. Because it's it's going to be nuts. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean. And I want to go to the big fancy movie theater that has the uh, the lay down chairs where my dad and uh, I went to yeah, go see yeah. the sniper. They don't have one of those here, but. I went to the one in Braintree with Brian. We saw the movie Gravity in there, which okay. was a good movie to see laid out in a place like that, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, tonight when I was driving home, uh, I drove past the old school single screen theater, like, uh, you know, one of those last remaining old theaters in town, you know? And, um, and they're doing The Force Awakens and... There was a huge mob of stormtroopers and Wookiees and all kinds of shit standing out there waiting to get into the movies out there. <laughs> yeah. There's a single screen down the street from me. And I went with uh, when uh, the James Bond Solus. Solus? Is that the one that just came out? Spectre. Spectre just came out. Yeah. Um, Roscoe is a big James Bond fan. He's like, hey, man, it's a rainy Wednesday. You know what we're doing? We're going to see Spectre. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, we go to the theater, and it's I, IMAX, I think. Okay. Yeah, right. It wasn't 3D. It was IMAX. Yeah. 
two tickets to see an IMAX, 30 bucks. Damn. Yeah, it's crazy, huh? And we go, we sit, it was, we go, we sit, it was, it was good enough. I drive down the street two days later, it's playing the single movie theater that cost like eight bucks to see a movie. And granted, it smells like old people and urine, but and it's not IMAX. IMAX and it's charged the fuck out of you on that. Yeah, and it was good, and I guess it was worth seeing in IMAX. But I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge Bond fan. Yeah, nor am I. I went to see Spectre though, too, just a few weeks ago, not on IMAX or anything. But Jordan texted me, "Hey man, what is Spectre?" And I was like, "It was doing a week." And I was like, "Fuck it, I'll go." And it was the first Bond movie I'd seen in a theater since *A View to a Kill*. Literally, thirty right. years later. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm not. It was a good movie, but I'm, but I'm never one of those guys who's like, "Oh, I gotta see Bond when every new one comes out." Yeah, exactly. You know. But so. yeah, I so I get what you're saying. You're like, you know, I wouldn't have dropped fifteen dollars on this movie in general. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but I'm looking forward to Force Awakens. I. I just I'm, wish I just wish Keanu Reeves was in it. That would make it so much better. <laughs> you Unfortunately, he's son a little of a too bitch. old. If only you this movie would come out ten years earlier. <laughs> that would have been that would have been the uh, the Sophie's choice of my lifetime. <sighs> Do I go see Force Awakens with Keanu Reeves or not? Well, I find it kind of deplorable that one of the guys in the movies apparently on that fucking awful TV show Girls. <laughs> uh, who? Kylo Ren? The yeah, guy that Kylo kind of Ren? offends me a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm like, how the fuck can some douchebag who's in that awful show be? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but whatever. Well, I-, I guess he's in a mask the whole movie, so who cares? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I love that pisses you off. Well, I mean, I guess it's good he's in a mess because I, I never even knew who he was, but I saw like on Kimmel and they're like, oh, he's in Girls. I was like, I was like, who's this dipshit? Because he's not a good looking dude or anything. He's a goofy looking dude. Right, right, right. You know? <laughs> you know? I was like, all, all right. right. I was like, I was like, who? This guy can't be any sort of hero. And then I do find out that he's a guy that's in a mask the whole time. <laughs> but I'm I am excited about but I want to avoid everything. I'm trying not to read anything. While we were doing the podcast, Jacob sent me some a text message bitching about how he was reading some article and ended up having spoilers in it and there was no spoiler alert and he's pissed off. Oh yeah. yeah. Right. It hasn't even come out yet. Yeah. You know, like that's a legitimate beef. Yeah. But if somebody spoils the movie for you before it even comes out. Yeah, he thought I was like, I try to I was like, I'm trying to avoid anything. If I read anything, it's gotta be generic. And he's like he's like, Yeah, I thought it was generic and then and then it said shit. And I was like, uh, but he's probably gonna go see it sooner because he's got the daughter and he wants to bring her to it. Right. I remember when Return of the Jedi came out. That was in nineteen eighty three. And my brother Chris, you know, he wouldn't even do this now, but back then he was he was uh sixteen gone on seventeen, you know? Uh he took uh, he had already seen it because he was a Star Wars knight. I know he went and saw it the Friday it came out, you know, and I think it was like near the back then it probably came out near the end of the school year, and since he was in high school he had the benefit of getting out earlier than us, you know. Okay. Like earlier in the year even, you know, because you know, in high school you have 
exams where you go and you take the exam and you go home, you know? Right, right. So he went and saw it the Friday it came out, but then he took us that weekend and it was at the old mall movie theater. It doesn't even exist anymore. We sat outside for hours in line, you know, like waiting for several showings of the movie to play before we could finally get in. Yeah, you right. Know? It's crazy because there's only a couple movie theaters at the time. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And I remember my brother, uh, you know, it was Chris, Josh, and I sitting out there, and it's like, dude, I would never do that shit now. <laughs> I do. I, you know what? It's funny. I do. I remember waiting in line around the movie theater, yeah. or maybe we had went so early that it didn't matter, and when we came out, there was a line, something. But I remember a line like yeah. around the movie theater. Well, that's when did what that it come was. Out? It was the movie theater was at the mall. It was next to the mall, you know, but it was part of the mall complex basically you know what was that 78 1983 oh what? this is for return of the jedi return of the jedi oh okay you know, the okay. other ones i mean uh empire came out in 80 the original came out in 77 i'm too young to remember any of that shit you know right and i'm sure i wasn't brought to star wars because who wants a one-year-old in a movie <laughs> but i do think i did go see empire as a very small kid you know, but I remember Return of Jedi. I was really psyched. I remember I didn't know the way shit worked. I never knew a 16 year old would know about everything already. But what I remember was when I saw the first commercial during Saturday cartoons for Return of the Jedi. I remember I ran upstairs to my brother Chris's room and I woke him up and I was like, Chris, Return of Jedi is coming. I just saw a commercial. It was probably months before it came out, too, you know? Right, right. And he was like, Yeah, I know. Because he was like, a teenager, he just wanted to sleep. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and now I'm thinking, I mean, years later, I realized, yeah, of course he knew. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but to me, that's the first I'm hearing of it. It's like just saw a commercial return. Jenny. I mean, I knew they were making it, but you know, I had no clue what release dates were. I went, and he was just so annoyed. It was probably nine in the morning. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Chris, Chris, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> and I will say this much. I mean, we might as well talk about Force Awakens just for another minute or two. since, And, and the next time we talk, maybe we can talk about that in St. John's again after we've seen it. <laughs> 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 but I do want to talk about the St. John's game. But I will say this. Um, and this is the thing about when you have a brother that's 10 years older than you and you're a very little kid and you don't know anything. Like, I I really did think uh, that the Bill Murray thing, I didn't know it was the Bill Murray thing because I was too little to know it was the Bill Murray thing as Nick Rivers, the lounge singer. But I just remember my brother Chris singing it because he's 10 years older than me. So he was watching SNL when it was all new in 1970s. So okay. I really thought the Star Wars song was Star, Star Wars, Wars, nothing but Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I really honestly believed that was the song. <laughs> right. Right. It makes sense. Yeah. Just like how every little kid uh, thinks Popeye the Sailor Man, you know, lives in a garbage can. Every little kid thinks that's the Popeye song, right? <laughs> you know that one, right? I do. Yeah. I do. <laughs> And and that's one of those things I found out was universal. But every little kid thinks that's the real Popeye song. 
You know, right. that's not the real Popeye song. They lives in a garbage can, <laughs> eats all the worms, <laughs> spits out the germs. Popeye the Sailor Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Sorry, I just got sidetracked a little. Uh, you know, memory lane stuff there. But we are running long now, I guess. Well, the only reason we're running long is because it's been raining here all day. Men? It's been raining men. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Which is fu- it's funny you mention that because um, Jody Skolnick, um, her dad, that's his favorite song. It's also Homer Simpson's and Waylon Smithers' favorite songs. Is it really? There was an episode... <laughs> Where, like, Moe throws Homer out of the bar, you know, out of Moe's, and he's like, and we're removing your favorite song from the jukebox. And, and he takes out the record, and Homer's like, it's, no, it's raining men. He's like, yeah, no more, it ain't. And he throws it out of the window, and it lands, like, in Smithers' car or something. Uh, <laughs> Smithers is psyched because it's, it's raining men. <laughs> uh, that's funny. I'll tell you a funny story, too, about that. When we were, when I was in Prague, actually it was Budapest. When I was over there first year, you know, the first two weeks of the summer program was Budapest, and it was a, a lot smaller group. There was like twenty people, and they broke in. We broke into two camps: one camp of ten people, and the other camp of the other ten people. And neither neither group really wanted to hang out with the other group, <laughs> even though we were all students at the same law school. But uh, the last night in Budapest, we ended up in this underground bar that had like this karaoke setup. But it was pretty much like you just go take over the karaoke if you want. And me and a couple of these girls, we got up there and we had hijacked the karaoke and we were singing It's Raining Men. (laughs) And then they were eventually they got sick of us. So they, you know, because first they were fun, you know, they were cool with us. We sang a few songs. We did It's Raining Men. And then they switched to some like Hungarian song because they knew it would get us off. (laughs) We're trying to keep up with it. We none of us knew fucking Magyar. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Like, all right, let's get these fucking Americans out of here. (laughs) Uh, But all right, so hold on a second. Yeah, right. So it's been raining all day, and Val and Cash get depressed when it rains. Oh yes. And in addition to that, they won't go out in the rain. Yep. Yeah, I know so that issue. I'm pretty sure he has to shit if yeah. he has not shit in the house already because he hasn't gone out all day. But what uh, I don't want to cut short is our Syracuse chatter because I did go to the St. John's game and there wasn't much shenanigans to report on. I, I do think it's worth talking about. I don't want to pause because then that fucks up the editing and that's what's yeah. really hard to get an episode out. So here's what I'm going to suggest if you're game. Um, let's make this a two-parter. Okay. Let's just take a five-minute break, and if you wanted to you know, grab something to eat real quick or whatever, let me take the dogs out. We'll come back, and then we'll start uh, part two of this episode for however long it lasts. All right. Like 15 well, just minutes text me 15 when you're minutes. ready to go again because I'll go make some dinner. Yeah, it won't take long. I'm not it making take long. I'm not like cooking anything. You know? Okay. All right. Yeah, give me about ten minutes, and then, uh, um, and then we'll see what else we got in the tank. All right. Well, let's disconnect this right now. Well, then on that note, we'll see you guys in about five minutes. Yep. 
So hang on, Frida. <laughs> <laughs>